A city dweller hears urban entomology, and one thing comes to mind. Pests. Okay, so maybe also pest control pops in there too, but urban entomology encompasses a whole world of insects that need preserving, not controlling. Today on Farms, Food, and You, we learn from two NC State-trained entomologists that the creepy crawlies in our cities make up a vital part of our ecosystem. Listen as NC State Assistant Professor and Extension Leader Elsa Youngstedt and entomologist and science writer Dr. Eleanor Spicer-Rice illuminate urban entomology. You might find yourself more curious and aware about the insects and mites living in and around your city. Spicer Rice earned her doctorate in entomology from NC State, where she studied ants, pest control, and more. She now writes prolifically about the organisms in and around us. She explains that we can't really talk about urban entomology without also considering the urban ecology, starting with the idea that not all insects we encounter are necessarily pests. We should probably talk about what a pest is, and a pest is either something that bothers us, something that could hurt us, something that could cause a medical or economic harm to humans. So it's it's not all, a pest can be different things <laughs> for different people. But I came and I started looking at the ants and I realized that everybody always was asking me how to kill all of these things that lives around us. Or they would say, how does it help me? Like, can it cure cancer? A lot of people at the time were wondering if random things, we should learn about them because they could cure cancer. And that's not, the point of <laughs> these creatures. And so I wanted to share how amazingly diverse and layered our lives actually are. And one of the ways that we can do that is through looking at all the creatures that are living around us. I mean, there are a hundred different species of arthropods on average living in our homes and with us. And, and most of those aren't pests. But we spend our daily, we wake up with them literally in our beds in the morning, you know. So it's wonderful and exciting. Once you're comfortable sharing space with all those arthropods you may not see cohabitating with you in your urban home, Spicer Rice suggests you should get curious instead of grossed out. Entomology is not just pest control. Entomology basically is anything that you might find remotely interesting about the world because insects are so ubiquitous and they are so important to our daily lives and to the world's daily life, the life of the planet, that if you are interested in entomology, you're not just spraying them with poison when you go to graduate school, although I did do that, but some of it, but you are you you basically can do anything in the world of entomology. You can do ecology. You can do behavior. You can do all kinds of wonderful things. And another thing is that pest control also is not just spraying chemicals on things. Pest control is learning how to protect our waterways, learning how to reduce people's um, exposure to chemicals that might be harmful. It's not like the age of DDT. People are trying really hard to keep things as safe as possible, not just for humans, but for the wider world. So it's not this big evil thing that we think of when we think about pest control. Sometimes it's as simple as just cutting the branches that are touching your house or cleaning out your gutters. That's way more effective than hiring a guy to come and dump a bunch of poison in your house. So it's when we're talking about pest control, that's that's when, and it's also limiting its impact on things that aren't pests. 
So there are a lot of wonderful aspects to the career of entomology. And there are a lot of things that are not, that are pest control. One woman at our, in the entomology department found out that just going in people's yards and dumping out all of their flower pots and containers was equally effective at reducing mosquitoes in, in their area than, you know, giving somebody spray your yard with it. So like, there are a lot of things that we're that they are studying at NC State that are not at all these boring, you know, nerds in a basement kind of things that you're thinking about, or these evil guys with a spray, you know, spray container in a suit. It's actually a wonderful and diverse field, as as diverse and wonderful as the insects that are dedicated to it. <laughs> In her urban ecology lab at NC State, Dr. Elsa Youngstead and her team study the interface of urbanization, climate change, and entomology, specifically how invertebrates, plants, and insects respond to stressors caused by humans and what we can do about it. Then I came to cities later as urban ecology was becoming a field, and we were starting to be more interested in, you know, not just the indoor pests, but just sort of how the whole urban system works, plants and insects and, you know, birds and mammals and how they all interact with each other in this, like, new environment that people have created on the face of the earth. Um, so I study insects, and I do it in cities, but... Um, as an urban entomologist, you know, I'm not the the pest insect type urban entomologist that that phrase has historically invoked. Youngstead's team focuses on ants and how they contribute to decomposition nutrient cycling, effectively ensuring that trash and leaf litter do not accumulate as fast in cities. They also look at bees and their role as pollinators in ecosystems. Today, she tells us about a unique project just getting off the ground. We're launching new research on this butterfly called the crystal skipper, which is completely endemic to North Carolina. It lives on about 30 miles of the North Carolina coast from like Bogue Banks and Bear Island. Maybe it's on Shackleford sometimes, um, but it and it lives nowhere else in the entire world. So this little species is like ours to take care of. If it goes extinct from North Carolina, it's gone from the world. Um, and we don't know a ton about it. It was only described as a species in, I want to say 2015 or sometime like quite recently, it was actually recognized that, hey, this is a different thing from like the kind of similar looking butterfly that lives in Florida um, and nowhere else. So um, its population has been kind of bouncing around over the last several years. We don't exactly know what's going on with it, but we're starting a research project to kind of try and understand what this butterfly needs throughout its life cycle. We know that the adults drink nectar. We know that the larvae eat seaside little blue stem, but we're not sure how those sort of parts of its habitat connect. Most of the you know, 30 miles of coastline where it lives have been developed as sort of beach houses and urban areas and shopping centers. And so that makes kind of a patchwork that may or may not be difficult for this butterfly to navigate. We may be making it easier or harder for it to, you know, go get some nectar and then go find a host plant in the dunes and then go get some nectar and then go lay an egg. Um, so those are some of the things that we want to understand about that butterfly is just like, how is it moving through this patchwork of urban and natural spaces that we've created for it? Is that making life easier or harder for it? Um, and we do often get the question is like, well, why? Why would we save this little butterfly? It's not that common. We probably wouldn't even notice if it disappeared. 
And I can't say that like, yeah, the whole coastal ecosystem would fall apart if we didn't have this one species. Like, I don't know that. It might not. Um, And it gets you back to that old argument of like, you know, how many bolts do you take out of the airplane before it falls apart? Um, We know that this butterfly is, you know, it's only ours. It's part of our natural heritage. So kind of, I feel like we've got a moral responsibility to look after it. Um, And then it is part of this functioning coastal ecosystem that protects us from hurricanes and flooding. And if we took this one species out, that might all still work, but at some point (laughs) it won't. Um, so that's that's one of the the weird little bugs that we're that we're studying in urban areas for conservation reasons rather than like economic or pesty ones. One thing that is interesting about what else is doing to me is that all we have built these really weird forests basically out of buildings. And they are things that some like trees, some bugs can live in and some can't. And so it's interesting to me at least it, from an ant perspective and from bees now, which is live in much more of a three-dimensional environment than a lot of our crawling bugs do. Um, how, who chooses to live in cities? Like, for example, pavement ants are not from here and they like cliffs and they like rocks in their native environment. Pavement ants are the ones that you see on the sidewalks. You drop something on the sidewalk, a piece of gum, and they will cart it off really quickly. They thrive in America. And what we've done here is we've basically built entire, you know, environments of the cliff-like home with these sidewalks and these streets for pavement ants to live in and thrive. So it's interesting to me what else is doing is she's looking at these things that we've built and then seeing how other the creatures can live in them. Both entomologists encourage us all to start connecting with the ecology and entomology around us and understand how to be good stewards of it. What's most exciting for me right now as a writer is that I want to connect particularly children of North Carolina with this idea that we are part part of North Carolina's part of a global a larger global biodiversity hotspot. We've got creatures and plants that live here that don't live anywhere else. I mean, out they don't even live outside the state. And the world depends on our ecology to help. I mean, we're on par with places like Madagascar or like the, you know, the Andes, you know, we're, we're, we're the Horn of Africa, like in terms of how many different types of living things are here and how many different types of living things have to live here in order to thrive. And I want people to start paying attention to what these things are, because this is our heritage. This is our also our future. And it belongs to us in many ways because we and it's important to me that we connect with it and that we want to be a part of what this natural world is. So protecting those areas is really important to me right now. And also getting people, young people and other people <laughs> interested in what these places are. Because a lot of people don't know what's living outside their door. A lot of people don't think about why it might be a problem to build a you know beach house, a row of beach houses right where Elsa's butterflies are. So that's really important to me. I hope it, I hope it becomes important to all North Carolinians because we have something that most people don't have and it's beautiful and it's valuable. 
And so I think that we need to start taking care of that better. Once we start doing that, there's a potential for it to do not just the insects some good, but us humans as well. As far as people living in cities, like we are less and less sort of exposed to so-called nature and green space than, you know, and, and soil and all of the wonderful microbes that live in it. And just like all of these interactions with biodiversity that we used to have before we as a society became so urbanized, there is growing evidence that that's not great for us. That like when we spend time in the forest or in a green space or surrounded by spaces that we perceive as having a lot of biodiversity, we feel better. Like sometimes our, you know, blood pressure, our heart rate goes down. Um, And I mean, that evidence is still kind of starting to accumulate, but like interacting with nature, it seems to be good for us. Um, And so that's another kind of argument against just like squash at all. I mean, maybe we want to see it in a park and not in our own porch or something. But having like that intact, diverse system around us, even in the cities where we live, um, has a lot of potential benefits for us. Thank you for joining us on Farms, Food and You. This podcast is a product of the College of Agriculture and Life Sciences at North Carolina State University. If you would like to support the show, please share this episode on social media and leave a review on your podcasting app of choice. Let's talk soon.